0: And the whole city was gathered around the door and he cured many who were sick with various diseases, diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him in the morning. Well, it was still very dark. He got up and went out to des- to a, a deserted place. And there he prayed and uh, um, and Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons.
1: listening to the great Mahalia Jackson singing, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. It was written by Tommy Dorsey, not the band leader that we all think of, but the gospel songwriter, Thomas A. Dorsey. In August of 1932, Thomas and his wife Nettie were living in Chicago. He was singing gospel and writing music, and his wife Nettie was pregnant with their first child. Well, he got a gig in St. Louis and took off early one morning, kissing his wife Nettie goodbye as she slept. He was a little nervous because she was pretty close to the due date, and, uh, but you know, a gig's a gig, right? But while he was in uh, St. Louis, word came to him that his wife had passed away giving birth to their first son. And when he got home, he was informed that the son had also passed away the next day. Faced with this despair, he decided he didn't ever want to write gospel again in fact for a long time he didn't write anything but kind of spent his time in jazz clubs but barely hanging
0: on then a good
1: friend of his, his invited him to a college music department to take a few classes And one afternoon he walked into the music room And he sat down at the piano. His hands kind of naturally went over the keys. And as he sat there in the throes of grief, he began to play. And this prayer came out that you're listening to today. He said of that day, as the Lord gave me these words and melody, he also healed my spirit. I learned that when we are in our deepest grief, when we, when we feel farthest from God, this is when He is closest. And when we are most open to His restoring power. And so I go on living for God, willingly and joyfully, until that day comes when He will take me and gently lead me home. home. And lead
0: me home. Amen.
1: You know, many of us in this church know that kind of pain that kind of loss. Many in our congregation and in our circle of friends know that kind of deep despair that leaves you feeling completely empty and without hope. Many in this room have had that same moment Like Thomas Dorsey, when all that is left is one last cry to God, if even that. And it's that reaching out from the nothingness where God comes and takes you by the hand and pulls you up out of despair. Many here have felt that wave of hope, that breaking in, that comforting presence of God, where God moves instantly from being a universe away to being so close that it is felt within your whole self. You know, there are a lot of things that I can speak intelligently about when it comes to matters of faith and the Bible and theology. There are many theological points that I can give you. Context and background and Greek parsings and what Tillich and Bart had to say about it. And the wisdom through the ages. But this thing happens when we are in our deepest moments of despair, this presence of God that gives us the will to keep going, and everything within us just wants to disappear, there's something about that moment when God is there. And I can't explain it. And quite frankly, I'm not sure the Bible helps us either. I don't know when it happens, I don't know why it happens and I don't know how it happens or how to tell you to tap into it. It just does. When we pray, and even sometimes when we don't, God becomes present. We have names for it, compassion, grace, mercy, transcendence but ultimately, it is a mystery. But it is at the heart of what it means to be a person of faith. Amen? It is at the heart of what it means. And it's almost a universal certainty that those who claim faith have somehow known the presence of God and have been moved and have been touched and have been lifted at one time or another. Each and every one, not all the time, maybe not as often as we'd like, and maybe not at the moment we would like, but almost to a person I would think that any of us who claim faith have somehow had that moment when God was there and real and present. And attentive. Even the most skeptical among us are willing to concede that they have felt something. And it is that something that is at the heart of the story we read today. Jesus steps into a moment when despair had come to the house of Peter in Capernaum. This house they they found themselves at is where the the fledgling Jesus movement really had its headquarters, most scholars assume, that they met at Peter's house near the Sea of Galilee. So it was bustling with all kinds of activity. And in the midst of that, the mother of Peter's wife had become ill with a fever. and was not able to be among them. Clearly, it affected the whole household, Jesus Himself. And Jesus reached out and took her by the hand. And in her brokenness, she became whole again. And He helped her to her feet. Once up, once whole again, she began to serve the people in the house. Cynics would say that maybe Jesus healed her so he could get a cup of coffee, right? Get that woman up serving (laughs) again because, you know, the men were lost in the kitchen, apparently. That's a cynical response. You could also insert your own mother-in-law joke here somewhere. I'm not going to bother with that. But I think, I think he healed her because she needed to be healed. I think He healed her because He was a man of compassion. And we all know Jesus didn't heal and doesn't heal everybody. Whenever we read about healings in the Bible, there's something else going on besides the healing. But if you're looking for a reason why Jesus chose Peter's mother-in-law, my answer is because she was there and she was sick and he could do something about it filled with compassion and I love her response after being healed after being attended to after finding herself again after experiencing that healing from the brokenness her response is to get up and move forward and to begin serving that person that something that had attended to her God had healed her, and her response is to return to God all that she is and all that she has. She didn't have a lot of money, but she could get up and heal. She didn't have great skills of oratory, but she could get up and serve is what I meant to say. So she did. Moving forward. It was the beginnings of becoming what she was called ultimately to become. The promise of faith at its best is that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Philippians 3.14 We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. That even our deepest sorrows will not overcome us, but that we will be taken by the hand and led through it. And I know that in the midst of it, sometimes we we don't even have the strength to ask for it, and we have little hope left in us. And yet it's at those moments when God must be most real. And it's at those moments when often all that is left is an openness to that something that is out there. And once on the other side of all that grief, of all that sorrow, the Spirit tells us, now take that experience and let it deepen your commitment. Let it deepen your faith. Let it be a reminder that God is with you in the bad times and the good. And that you and God will get through this life together. And let that be a call to commitment and to good works God said to Jeremiah who knew a little something about what it means to be in the depths of despair God said to Jeremiah for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future That's Jesus' message to you and me as well. And it was Jesus' message to Peter's mother-in-law. Wait a minute, not yet, lady. (laughs) Not yet. I know the plans God has for you. To prosper you. To give you hope and to give you a future. And took her by the hand. Helped her to her feet. And she began to move toward that future. This is the promise of faith, that there is hope, that there is a next day, a next hour, a next minute even, that God is there holding our hand as we go through it not taking it away sometimes we treat we treat god like a a genie in a lamp right god you know i wish i wish my pain was gone i wish my mother didn't have cancer i wish that i could find my the job that i could rely on i wish i wish my relationship worked better i wish i wish and our deepest desire is that god would just poof make it better And I can see where that comes from. We kind of see that in this story, don't we? (laughs) And yet we know from our experience that it's not quite that way. That God's not a genie in a lamp. But God is the God who comes alongside. Who carries us. Who holds our hand and says, let my strength be your strength. Not taking it away but not leaving us on our own to face it either. It's my prayer today that the promise of faith would be yours to claim and mine to claim. That we would be a people of the promise. Being taken by the hand and led forward. Not running on our own power, but experiencing the power of Him who heals the sick, who gives sight to the blind and opens the ears of the deaf. And I hope you're hearing that as more than literal, but as a metaphor for all the ways in which we find ourselves sick, blind, and deaf. Not seeing, not hearing, not being able to move forward, and calling out to God, Help me see. Help me hear. Help me be well and whole. For just like, just like Peter's mother-in-law, we are called not to a life of despair, but a life of living and serving and growing and moving forward day after day. I'm talking about this today quite honestly because i think too often despair wins too often despair wins we never find our way through at best sometimes we say well you know what this is just the life i'm going to lead and it is what it is i am despair <laughs> At worst, people don't see their way out. They take matters into their own hands. Leaving behind people to wonder how we could have helped, how we could have changed things. And wondering why. And I know this is beginning to sound like a Hallmark card. But the thing is, there are, just, there are moments in every person's life when we need to know that God is there. I just want to be able to say to you and to myself, yes, God is there. I fear sometimes it doesn't feel like enough. But I guess my plead today is let it be enough to move you forward Let it be that thing you hang on to when everything else has let you down. Because I think when we pour ourselves out, like Thomas Andrew Dorsey sitting in front of that piano, just like he did that afternoon, wondering where God had gone and how He was going to move forward. And as he begins to just let it pour out of him, precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. Worn. You know, sometimes it comes in a flash like it did with Thomas. Sometimes, and probably more often, It comes little by little by little. A word from a friend. A song. A Sunday morning, weeping in a pew, being comforted by the body of Christ. Good movie. A good cry. A hug a word from Scripture that says just what you needed to hear. Whatever the case, may our prayer always be as Thomas Dorsey's was. When the night grows drear, Precious Lord, linger near When my life Is almost gone Hear my cry Hear my call Hold my hand Lest I fall Take my hand Precious Lord Lead Let us pray. Loving God, we commit ourselves to You in our moments of despair, in our moments of joy, in the heights of ecstasy and in the moments of deepest sorrow. We hold Your hand as a little child holds on to a mom knowing that You will lead us we can count on it. Help us to embrace the mystery of that. In the name of Jesus we pray, Amen.